Good evening. This is Radio Free Bichel. I'm Alphonse. Tonight, Contagion and Scapegoat. In my previous episode, I spoke about René Girard's theory of identity and desire, and I briefly touched on his theory of the scapegoat. In this episode, I'm going to go into much more detail, and I have found that it is shockingly relevant today in our time of pandemic, of social justice, of intense polarization. I'm going to begin with a story that Girard tells, which has come down to us from the ancient world, from the Greek city of Ephesus in the second century, which at that time was suffering from a plague. And a philosopher who was in the city at the time, Apollonius of Tiana, told the people that he could rid them of the plague if only they would follow him and do as he said. So he led the citizens to the theater, which I presume was an outdoor amphitheater, and there they saw an old man who looked like a beggar. He was hunched over, he was in rags, he had a bag with a crust of bread. And Apollonius told the people, you need to kill that man. And they were astonished. They said, it's just a beggar, it's just an old man. But Apollonius insisted, and so they began to stone him. And when the first stone struck, the old man looked up, and in his eyes was red fire, and then the people knew that he was a demon. And they redoubled their efforts and threw so many stones that they pounded his body to a bloody pulp. And afterwards they said that he looked as if he was foaming at the mouth like a dog. And in celebration of their victory over the demon, they erected a statue to the god Hercules. Gerard chooses this story because it seems to be midway between history and myth. It seems clear that there really was a collective murder in Ephesus. But at the same time, we don't believe that the old man was a demon. What Gerard argues is that actual historical murders are obscured behind myth. Now, this kind of collective murder was hardly rare in Greece. In Greek cities, at certain festivals, they would choose someone, often someone marginal like a beggar, and they would take that person, and they would beat him, and they would expel him from the city, and they would kill him. And this was done in the belief that it would rid the city of illness and disorder. And the name that was given to this victim was pharmacon, which means poison, remedy, or scapegoat. It is the root word of the modern words pharmacy and pharmaceutical. So deep is the connection between disease and plague and scapegoating that it's embedded in our language today. What the scapegoat does or what the murder of the scapegoat does, is that it resolves disorder in the community. If you have a community where the distinctions between people have broken down, where respect for authority is disappearing, where people feel that the society is unstable, the scapegoat ritual can resolve the problem. But after the murder, it's covered up. And Gerard says in the ancient world this was through myth. The first thing that is done is to insist that the victim is guilty. Now, this happens actually before the murder, but it's certainly recorded in the stories afterwards. And you can see this in the idea that the old man was actually a demon. There's a second step that sometimes happens, which is deification. If someone is so powerful that they can place the community at risk, or that their death can save it and remove disorder, that suggests that perhaps this person is a god. And Gerard claims that the origin of many gods and myth was actual scapegoat rituals. 
by which he means they weren't myths at all. They were actually historical collective murders that were concealed behind myths, and the victims were deified. And in fact, many world myths, certainly many that I have read, revolve around the death of a monster or a god or a person which has saved or even founded a society or a culture. But what's the cause of the disorder that leads to scapegoating? Girard says that it's mimetic desire, the imitative desire that I described in my previous episode. What happens is that since we imitate the desires of others, he argues, we end up competing for the same things. We end up in rivalry. And that rivalry intensifies. If I'm copying what you want and you're copying what I want, then we're going to end up in a vicious circle, a feedback loop. And as that intensifies, the thing itself drops out, and what we're actually imitating is each other, mirroring each other. I mirror your anger, I mirror your hate, and you do the same to me. I mirror your violence, and you mirror mine. So emotions, too, are contagious, and in fact, empathy amplifies the feedback loop. As this happens in society, the conflict can spread. Other people can imitate the same desires. Other people can be sucked into the same conflicts. And then smaller conflicts dissolve into larger ones, Gerard says, like tributaries feeding a river. Until finally, you have a war of all against all. A community where there's polarization and conflict and hate everywhere. And the scapegoat solves this. Because when the community turns on a single individual and transfers all that hate and all that anger onto him, then they are unified. And when they have expelled him or destroyed him, that unification lasts, at least for a time. They may repeat the process with someone else. And so scapegoatings that work once may become rituals that are continued over time. Girard says that human sacrifice was foundational to many ancient societies, and it was only over time that animals replaced humans, and eventually, in some societies, there was no bloodletting at all. And who is chosen to be the scapegoat? It's someone who's different. Girard particularly emphasizes four qualities. Someone who is foreign, someone who is diseased or lame, Someone who violates sexual taboos like those against bestiality and incest. Or someone who is exceptional, like a king, or an artist, or a thinker. In fact, he says that the Oedipus myth is an example of this, for Oedipus is all four of those things. He is a foreigner, he's lame, he has sex with his mother, and he's a king. If Sherard is right, the tragedy of Oedipus, the Greek play, reenacts an actual sacrifice. And I don't think it's an accident that the beggar in the story in Ephesus is killed in the theater. In fact, I recently rewatched the movie Gladiator, and I was really surprised to find at the end it reenacted almost exactly how Girard describes the scapegoat ritual. There's one complication, which is two men die, the gladiator and the emperor. And the emperor has three key qualities that Girard identifies. First, he's emperor. He's powerful. Second, he's been forcing himself on his sister sexually. And third, he has a hair lip. Those are three of the four key qualities that Gerard identifies for scapegoats. But in the final scene, 
when the gladiator and the emperor die, they are surrounded by a ring of soldiers. And beyond them, the community of Rome in the Colosseum. And this is how Girard describes scapegoat rituals. The community surrounds the victim. Often they stone him or they force him off the edge of a cliff, but they don't lay a finger on him. And in fact, that's what the soldiers do when their leader at one point tells them to sheathe their swords. When the emperor and the hero die, we see the sun over Rome. An unstable situation with a bad emperor has been solved and peace and order have been restored. So even today, the scapegoat ritual seems to be embedded in our culture. But today, we seem to be in a particularly difficult situation. We're in the midst of the pandemic. There is social disorder and polarization, and there is a loss of respect for authority. Exactly the conditions that Girard describes lead to scapegoating. And on top of that, we have conditions for mimetic contagion. That's what social media seems to be all about. The fear of missing out, the imitation, the rituals of exclusion and cancellation. Social media leads people to imitate and for social contagion to occur. The psychologist Jonathan Haidt has identified social media as the likely cause of a lot of mental illness today, and he's pointed to particular features of it, the like button and the share button. And these are two mechanisms of imitation and copying, of mimesis and mimetic contagion. Furthermore, our culture emphasizes empathy. But empathy, while it can be good, can also be negative as an amplifier of mimetic contagion, as an amplifier of the hate and the antagonism between people. Now those who scapegoat are unaware of what they've done. They must be, because they must be unified against the victim. And so they all believe that the victim is guilty. And then sometimes they disguise that crime by telling the victim into something that he isn't, a demon or a hero or a god. But there's one other thing Girard says that the perpetrators of scapegoating may do, which is to say that they're better than that, to believe that they're beyond it, to say that their fathers or their grandfathers have scapegoated, but they do not. And this illusion actually makes it easier for them to do it. It makes it easier for them to convince themselves that the victim is not innocent, that they're actually enacting justice. We have the perfect storm. We have the social media. We have the pandemic. We have the social disorder. We have the empathy. We have the belief in our own virtue. And if we scapegoat, we will not know that we did it. Girard cites a philosopher, Emmanuel Levinas, who says that if everyone agrees that someone is guilty, release him, for he is innocent. This is Alphonse for Radio Free Bichel, www.bezel.ca. Good night. <laughs>